It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the Renault, Dacia and Opel range. Whether it is a petrol, diesel, LPG, plug-in hybrid or electric, we have the perfect car for you. See blackstonemotors.ie If it rains on St. Swithin's Day, it'll rain for 40 days and nights. That's what the legend says. Uh, it's lovely today. I doubt if we're going to see any moisture at all. But does it mean we'll have 40 dry days and nights? I'm trying to read something into it. I've been reading about St. Swithin earlier today and it doesn't actually say that. It only says if it rains, it'll rain for 40 days, but it doesn't give us 40 dry days. I think that's a bit of a swindle. I've just copped that on after all these years. Welcome to Late Lunch, the 15th of July, a gorgeous day over Ireland and long may it continue and it looks like it's going to continue as well. And uh, we have lots to chat about, of course, over the next couple of hours. All we need is you. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me, 1850-715-958, if you'd like to call in. Now, I have to tell you a little story. We saw a post on social media last evening that said, I called to Sheridan's and there was no Red Leicester or Stilton cheese. What's going on in the world? Kevin Sheridan knows he's on the line. Kevin, great to talk to you again. Hi, Jerry. Lovely to talk to you again. That's been too long. Ah, oh, Kevin, yeah. what's going on? No red less than no Stilton. Terrible. Terrible. It's a disgrace. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we actually haven't had any British cheese uh, in our shops since last December. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't believe it. It's July now. Because I thought, it, I, you know, I thought it would take a little bit of time, a month or two maybe, you know, and uh, and then it would sort of set out. But now here we are, and it's not for once trying. Um, and it's not the things that you might think of, you know, paperwork on our side or, you know, there's a lot of paperwork and health certs and all yeah. this kind of thing. And there's no tariffs or anything like that. Something to do that. Simply we can't get transporters to take on the job because there's so much paperwork involved for them to bring it to us. Right. So there are transporters, so you can imagine, you know, refrigerated uh, yeah. containers of, of, of products coming through. So if I was a big supermarket and I was bringing a big 40-foot chill container from one place of one product or from one supplier, mm. they'd do that because it'd be one page or five yes. pages or whatever related to that. Mm. But for people like us who would be maybe getting one pallet from one producer or one pallet from another producer, it'd be mix and match. Yeah. There's a complete set of paperwork for each one of those consignments, mm. and they don't want to touch it. Um, they're just saying no. Um, and we've been to every every trucking company in the country. So if there's anybody out there mm. who wants to do this piece of work, because um, there's plenty of other of our colleagues looking for it as well. Yeah. And so that's simply it. So we told her we nearly there about a month ago, and then that fell through with a, with a particular company. So it's yeah, it's astonishing. So and, and the this result is... is no Stilton. Uh, that's why there's no that's why there's no Red Leicester and Stilton and other yeah. UK cheeses English cheeses yeah yeah well. we do some nice you know it's not a huge part of our range but yeah. Colton Basil Stilton Shropshire Blue mm. Sparking Old Red Leicester you know proper Somerset Cheddars yes you know those uh, those sorts of cheeses yeah they add to the range don't they Kevin and you yeah, know yeah, 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 the selection yeah, that's yeah, there for yeah, customers yeah. and this is a direct result now of Brexit oh no 100% yeah yeah, 
Okay, one one facet of it you're hearing, folks, today with the cheese. No, we have to say continentally, and uh, look at it, you're the biggest advocate I've ever met of Irish cheese as well. well is this a, you know a bit of a fill up for the yeah, Irish cheese maker? For sure. I mean, it's so if you if you go into one of our shops, we'll obviously have you know great say taking Stilton for example. You know that's which is the classic English blue cheese, mm. one of the classic blue cheeses of the world. Um, you'd you'd have that. And without that, but we have Crozier Blue and Cashew Blue from Tipperary. We've got Boyne Valley Blue from down the road. And then, of course, we've got, you know, French, Spanish, Italian Blues as well. So from a customer's point of view, yeah, it's a bit disappointing if they're particularly still concerned, but there's lots of other choice. Mm. So nobody's Mm. losing out here. The biggest losers, actually, and the the people I feel really sorry for, are these small producers in the UK. Yes. These are small, like our our Stilton producers, the smallest Stilton producer. It's a farmer's co-op, small farmer's co-op. Um, and they're, you know, whatever the sales to us, but they're also losing, you know, and find difficult to sell it to France, mm-hmm. Germany, and other markets as well. Yes. And it's the smaller companies that are being hit hard like this because they don't have, like I said, this ability to send, you know, huge consignments out. So it's the same amount of paperwork to send a very small amount as it is a large amount. There you go, and uh, they're feeling it for sure. But look at yeah. the message today from Sheridan's is there's a wonderful selection. If you're missing your Red yeah, Leicester and you're still... Oh, too short. Oh, yes. There's Dial down the panic. <laughs> yeah, no panic, no panic. There's lots and lots of cheeses. Kevin, yeah. it, you know, we're in summertime of the year, lovely time of the year. Give us a couple of cheeses at the moment that you'd say, you know, are a summery type. Well, oh... So much, so much. I mean, it's uh, you've got the obvious ones, like you've got beautiful mozzarellas, all our buffalo mozzarellas that we do, and burrata, which is a, a buffalo mozzarella with cream inside. You know, those fresh cheeses mm. that you can just open up and if you're lucky enough, enough to have some nice uh, tomatoes or even the caviar and strawberries. Beautiful yes. combination. Um, really, Kevin? So, cheese and strawberries? Oh. So I was talking to it's Louise uh, there, isn't it? We were talking earlier about interesting combinations, but Strawberries, now I'm talking about proper strawberries that you picked in your garden or are nice. This time of year you'll get a lovely strawberry. Yeah. Um, some buffalo mozzarella and some really good balsamic vinegar drizzled over that. That's the beautiful. job, Kevin. That is absolutely beautiful. Um, that combination of the sweet and, and the kind of lactic uh, freshness yes. of the mozzarella and a little bit of acidity. To, you know, and then a few leaves from the garden or whatever on that, and that's a beautiful lunch. Ah, oh, but Ke- Kevin, I have to say, stuff. I have to say to you, the mozzarella, the, the mozzarella you mentioned there. I, I grow my own tomatoes, as you know, yeah. and uh, yeah. there's nothing to beat a homegrown Irish tomato oh, it's, at this it's time. A of different the thing. It's, it's uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a joy. It's, pick your own. It's, it's pure joy. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And with the mozzarella and maybe a, a basil, a little bit of basil, basil, a drizzle basil of olive oil. Yeah, beautiful, yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful, yeah. beautiful. So those are the fresh cheeses. What else, Kevin, at the minute? What else? Um, other Irish, what you really see, what's lovely about doing what I do and seeing cheeses change right here, because you really do see them. So say you've got the cheeses like Gabine and Doris and Malines, we, we nickname them wash-drying cheeses. They're the kind of semi-soft cheeses with mm. kind of pinkish rind. Um, a lot of those few brilliant ones from West Cork. And you really see the change because there's life, there's more life in them this time of the year. Yeah. So in the winter times you're coming in, the cattle are in, um, but also the maturing rooms are quite cold. You know, everything is quiet. If you think of your own garden, it's yeah. the same with milk and with the whole microflora and making cheese. And then as spring comes in and summer comes in, there's this liveliness mm. that comes in through the milk and through the maturing. And you just get more complex cheese, more going on, more life to them. And, and those types of soft and semi-soft cheeses, it's a great time. Hard cheese are always nice, but I always think they're lovely for the winter because yes. they, most of them are made in the summer. Yeah. And then to eat them in the winter, it's like you get a taste of summer in the wintertime. But now's the time for those fresh cheeses and semi-fresh cheeses because you're really getting that milk uh, and the cattle out on, on the pasture at the moment. Oh, lovely, lovely, the lovely. Thing about, the about the thing about, you know, cause people often get sort of narrowed down into, oh, I'm going to have some nice cheese, some Irish farm cheese, whatever, and they think you don't have to have it after dinner. And all this barriers in their way as to the way you're meant to eat it. But the way you described there, picking your fresh tomatoes in the garden mm. cheese is such a brilliant easy food to share out in the garden yeah. you know we can have some people over now out in the garden get a couple of pieces of cheese you know some beetroot some tomatoes a jar of chutney on the table whatever it's a lovely meal in itself or a piece of a meal yes. you know yeah. and uh, and to experience all and you get so much flavour so convenient it is the best fast food you know because mm. it's fast food but it's healthy it's sustainable 
and it's gorgeous. Yes. Um, so to eat it in that kind of way is lovely at this time of year. Kevin, Great I'm salivating here. I'm salivating. I can't <laughs> wait to get home and, and, and do exactly what you're saying. Look, uh, in, in a more general sense with Sheridan's, you, you've moved into the former Forge restaurant now. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, 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 it's been a process, obviously, doing it during COVID. It was, was difficult, but we moved we moved in just before Christmas last year. Mm. Um, so we've moved our shop from a warehouse into the Forge restaurant. We, we knocked down a few walls. We opened it all up. And we've also now got a cafe in the back, which obviously isn't quite open to the public yet. Yes. But you can get your coffee when making, because there's a great kitchen there. So we, the guys are making, you know, fresh sandwiches and salads every day. So you can go in, do a bit of shopping. The best coffee in the country, I guarantee it. Um, we, do you know what arrived yesterday? Go on. Sheep's milk ice cream from Wicklow. Really? From Ballyhubbock Farm. Beautiful what? couple. Uh, Hannah and George and they've got a sheep snook, uh, sheep farm yeah. up in uh, Glenmalure uh, around that area and uh, they're making they make our halloumi for us our Irish halloumi which is a kind of a frying cheese made of yeah. sheep snook but they make this wonderful sheep snook ice cream so you've got different flavours and tubs of that so you can go in and get yourself an ice cream really uh, incredible beautiful proper Irish art from ice cream and made with sheep snook Ah, wonderful, There's Kevin. loads of lovely things, and it's a yes. beautiful space. Yes. We're really developing the whole space, uh, and it's a great, a great place to pop by. And, of course, we've got a market every Saturday morning, yep. which is up to Forge now as well, and that is flying. Yeah, so. and Kevin, no fair this year, really, will you? With no, the, no, no, no. We, we, we'll look. Yeah. Look, there's time enough, and it'll yes. all be just good. It'll be a renewal. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to it after the break, actually. You yeah. know, just, yeah. you know, it's going to be even more special, isn't it, when we get that next year, so... Yeah. Great, great. Kevin, you mentioned food combos there, uh, the cheese yeah. and strawberry and the little balsamica, whatever. Yeah. Anything else? Give us another one or two of uh, unusual. You know one of my favourite ones is, we were talking about blue cheese earlier, if anybody's into blue cheese. Dark chocolate, proper dark chocolate and blue cheese. Wonderful combination. Because blue cheese is kind of this funny, salty, sweet kind of taste combination. Yeah. And then the chocolate, you know, proper dark chocolate, you've got, again, a little bit of sweetness, but you've got this bitterness. And it's it's a wonderful, wonderful combination. And you could just, you know, break off a bit of the chocolate, but you could actually say have, you know, creamy blue, like a creamy gorgonzola or cashew blue. And you could, you know, with a fine grater, just grate over, you know, some 85% chocolate over the top of it. Lovely combination, really, really nice. I'd Chocolate's never, a great one to use in, in, yeah, in every dishes in general. Kevin, never even think of that, to be honest. I'd yeah, never yeah, marry exactly. the two, you know, but there you yeah. go. There you go. Yeah, There's yeah, another yeah. one to try. Give us another one before we finish. Have you another one well, to throw at me? Again, I know I'm stuck on cheese, but that's where my head is. Yeah, well, you're the cheese man. <laughs> <laughs> but you know there's another one, because, again, it's just wine and cheese. Now, that was always the thing, and we looked at the French. Now, then we were Irish craft beer and cheese. It's absolutely brilliant. I mean, Irish stout and, and a good mature coulee or smoke knocking or cashew blue is just the best combination, as far as I'm concerned. But also interesting one, and one that I can see sort of trending around the place in, in other countries, is coffees and particular types of teas as accompaniments as well. So say you're having that lunch, that lovely lunch that we're talking about. Yes. Say some bergamot tea or something, or a really nice filter coffee. And again, just those flavour combinations um, that are playing off each other are, are really, really nice. Mm. Oh, Kevin. You last, were... last thing I'm going to say on, on. It is, again, I'm going back to you picking your strawberries in the garden. When you're looking for food combinations, it's about the quality of the actual food. It's not what you put together. Mm. So if you've got, you know, people ask me, what's the best thing to eat with cheese? First of all, you've got to tell me what time of year it is. Mm. Because right now, if you've got those best tomatoes in your garden, then it's tomatoes. In the autumn, if you've got fresh Irish apples, yeah. you know, out of the orchards, then it's apples or pears or whatever it is in season at the time. Yeah. That's always going to be the best combination. Fantastic. Kevin Sheridan, you're a legend. Thank right. you so Lovely much for joining us today. Talk. Lovely to talk to you again. Be in touch soon, Kevin. Bye-bye. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's the wonderful Kevin Sheridan there from Sheridan's. Yes, they're just outside Kells on the Virginia Road there. Wonderful place and what a great man he is. So there you are. No panic. Plenty of cheese to go round. Louise, you want to pull me up on the Swithin's Day? Uh, yeah, according to the little rhyme, yep. if it rhymes, it rains, and if it's dry, it's dry. And the, ri- the rhyme goes, St. Swithin's Day, if thou dost rain, for 40 days it will remain. St. Swithin's Day, if thou be fair, for 40 days will rain no mare. And they added a little one later on to that. If on St. Swithin's Day it really pours, you better off to stay indoors. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Did you just make that one up there? I didn't mean hat. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so look, dry, uh, yeah, it applies both ways. Thank you for that clarification, Louise. Anyway, food combinations, you heard Kevin, some of them are, you know, it's amazing, isn't it, what he said there. You would never put two and two together, you know, as he mentioned, but they work. Strawberries they really and cheese, no. Yeah. Do you, remember, do you remember a few weeks back I did the Weetabix and custard here? Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love the Weetabix. Have you a weird food combo? Um, I, I love dipping chips into milkshakes. What? Dipping chips into milkshakes. And I once tried ice cream and ham. You know, like get a slice of ham, yeah. put the ice cream in it and roll it up. And what was it like? It's quite nice, actually, yeah. Well, then, that's a bit of a sweet savoury on both of those mm-hmm. there. I was trying to think of anything unusual. And chips. Or ice cream and milkshake is lovely. Mm, try I, that. I love I love a big mug of milk with a packet of cheese and onion crisps. Mm. Would you? Would that go do it for you? Milk, cheese and onion crisps? No? no? I wouldn't, I wouldn't put two together. I've said this to people and they go, oh my God, you couldn't have milk with cheese and onion crisps. Yes, I do. I love it, actually. I absolutely love it. It's a real taste. Would you put mayonnaise on your pizza? No. Oh, that's lovely. Oh my God, it gets worse. Folks, any weird food combinations you're thinking about today or that you love that we wouldn't think about? Oh, I have to mention one. Will I mention? Oh God, I better do this. Uh, Yes, Helena Daly, my hygienist who works with Angela Carney. I was with Helena recently. She was very good to me, I have to say. Anyway, she told me, uh, because I think I did the custard and the Weetabix around that time. They were listening. They were listening to that. They listened to us all the time. Oh yeah, you were off there afterwards because the Weetabix stuck in your teeth, remember? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Helena Daly told me that her brother's favourite food combination was cornflakes between two slices of bread with tomato sauce. What would you make of that? Cornflakes, tomato sauce and a sandwich. A cornflakes and tomato sauce sandwich. That's a weird one, isn't it? That's, that's disgusting. They're strange in Mayo. They're strange, strange in... Oh, I'm only cotton. They're lovely people. I love the Mayo people. Anyway, any weird food combinations on your mind? We'd love to hear them, no matter what they are, just to gauge, you know, what the tastes are like out there in the northeast and beyond. If you have a weird food combo, let us know. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. I have an update on Blackrock Toilets. Well, I don't. I'll tell you in a little while. And uh, the swimming pool. I'm going to tell you more. The swimming pool saga, the paddling pool in my back garden goes on. Your weird food combinations. Yes, I'm coming back to them. Uh, Jerry oxtail soup with chocolate dipped in. I love it. God, that's a weird one altogether. Jerry, I love a cup of tea, but I also have a glass of ice cubes with it, and it's Perfect. I'm not into the food mixing at all, says another listener. Lee's been on to say, I was stuck one time after work, so two slices of toast. I had no butter. I used cold custard and then put the beans in between. It was lovely, but never did it since. I also like a crisp a crisp sambo with melted chocolate. So that's the salt and savoury there again. Keep uh, your weird food combinations coming to us on late lunch this afternoon. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. Now my next guest I have to say was one of the most familiar voices on radio and television in Ireland for years and years. Yes, Conor Faulkner uh, retired earlier in the year as Director of Consumer Affairs with AA and as you know this week it was announced uh, all of a sudden that AA Roadwatch would cease and Conor of course uh, began life there and he's with me on Late Lunch. Conor, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you very much, Jerry. Good to be talking to you again. Oh, that voice, Connor. Say it again. What? Say it again. <laughs> oh, well, you're very kind, Jerry. And, you know, it's one thing about me that seems to get recognised all the time. Um, you know, people, people recognise the name, a slightly unusual name, and people recognise the voice. So there, do you, there you go. Ah, nice lovely. And my word, I'm not joking you. And you're right. People just knew you the length and breadth of the country for yeah. the voice, you know. And, and look at it. What's your reaction this week to the end of the road watch what, what, what are you thinking Ah, it's kind of the end of an era, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and look, I, I, it's passed from me because I, I finished up with the AA in April. Yeah. 
Um, and everybody talks about retirement, but God, I, I'll, I'll hardly do that, Jerry. I'm, mm. I, I'm only fifty-two, so yes. I'm sure I'll, do, I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll find a, a couple of other things to do, um, uh, no doubt. But yeah, the AA is a long and significant chapter in my life. I mean, I started there in 1989, mm. um, so you know, think of all that's happened in Ireland uh, in that 30-year period of time, and we've we've lived through extraordinary times in Ireland. Uh, I mean, when I first started doing it, people will recall that we just the country didn't have a road network. It was disastrous. I mean, mm-hmm. crossing the border north of you was it was a daily embarrassment. You, you know, it just became yes. evident that we didn't have roads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, the, the extent to which the country has transformed uh, in all sorts of ways, uh, boom and bust and boom again, and a uh, you know, totally different Ireland over the last 30 years. Extraordinary. And we've I think in a way, Jerry, we were the soundtrack to it, or, or, or at yes. least in the sort of the Celtic Tiger years, the years of Tiger One, mm. um, extraordinary times. But uh, yeah, listen, I, I, I loved it. Uh, sad to see the chapter close, but you know, hey, l- life goes on. I was there thirty years, and I guess you know, I, I, I would have got less than that for murder, Jerry. I think it's a fair thing <laughs> to do with that. <laughs> oh, listen, it wasn't like that at all. Look at the way it's just flown by in the blink mm. of an eye. Really, when you actually look back. At at this stage, you read the bulletins yourself. You did. Uh, oh, I did. Yes. Yeah, 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 I did, and I flew in helicopters and did all the, all that sort of thing in the early years of AA Roadwatch. We sponsored the Circuit of Ireland Rally at one stage. People might remember that the AA Circuit of Ireland Rally, and uh, we, had, we had great crack doing that. Um, and you know, the the Roadwatch guys became very well known. People are still very good friends of mine, like Lorraine Keane. Um, as I say, almost a soundtrack to a generation, reading yeah. in the years materials for mm. for for everybody who who lived through those years in Ireland. Um, and look, they were they were they were great times. I know sometimes in this country it feels like two steps forward, two steps back. But you know, if you reflect on where we've come in thirty years, in, in across every aspect of Irish life, it, it's just fantastic. Very different country uh, to, to the one we all lived in uh, when I started working for the AA all those years ago. Mm, and you mentioned Lorraine there, Nuala Carey, Louise yeah. Duffy, Duran Garrahy, and Kira Courtney, who we know well, of course, from LMFM, yeah, course was do, yeah. there with you as well. So so many names coming through and going mm. on to uh, different careers as well. You know, it was Dennis Fisk, wasn't it? It was his concept right. that began it. Yeah, that's right. Dennis was the membership director in the AA at the time, so he was in charge of all the yellow vans. And uh, it was his initiative, and it was a, a brand new initiative. And at the time, it was an extremely modern thing to do. And, uh, you know, with, with we were all fresh youngsters. Uh, I mean, I think I was, what was I, 19 years of age or something when I joined with them. Um, all fresh-faced youngsters. And, and the, the whole idea was very fresh. And we were doing things that were, you know, may sound routine now, but they were exciting then, particularly to us, like flying in helicopters and doing traffic reports from the eye in the sky. And, you know, a youngster my age, as I then was, uh, you know, going on Morning Ireland one minute to be uh, uh, sort of sober and serious in conversation with David Hanley uh, and then uh, off to do uh, mad things thereafter. So, yeah, listen, it was was a great place to work and a great time in which to do it, I think. Does anything stick in your mind? Like, there were so many things happened over the 30 years, uh, events and uh, very difficult times, I'm sure, as well, you know, to report on. Anything in particular stay with you? Yeah, well, we had all sorts of silly things, like all sorts of circus animals turning up on Irish roads and loads of uh, hens and eggs tipping over on motorways and all that sort of Irish stuff. Um, But, uh, you know, the things I remember are the big freeze events. I mean, your 2010 extraordinary year, the whole country froze solid and the road network literally literally froze up and crumbled like breadcrumbs. Uh, And, I mean, I was very involved at that time lobbying the Irish government on all sorts of things, particularly road safety. Uh, I mean, the road safety is uh, uh, perhaps a more serious one, but it's worth. We've come an awful long way in 30 years on road safety as well. We're we're a, yeah. a best practice modern country where we had been a basket case. Uh, I'm very proud of what you know. I, I was involved in that and a lobbying and policy point of view, and that was kind of interesting over the years as well. Um, but the sort of the road watch events, I, I remember those big freezes, and I remember some of those huge storms, um, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, all hands to the pumps, road watch staff staying overnight in Dublin city hotels to do their bulletins in the morning, and uh, Asher. Great crack altogether and war stories. And, you know, when you talk about the way motoring has evolved and you've mm. been part of that because I remember speaking to you on a number of occasions through the years on this show as well about, you know, fuel prices. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's always a bugbear with people. And you can see the way the evolution is happening into the electric car mm. as well. That's, you know, that's, that's exciting as well. This is coming. 
Yeah, oh yeah, electric cars are the future. Electric transport is the future and uh, has every prospect of being fantastic. We will move off fossil fuels. Humanity has to. Um, they're dirty and nasty and expensive. They're finite. Uh, uh, we've got to get rid of them. So, uh, the, And the electric car is a massive part of that and uh, some of the technology nowadays is absolutely fantastic. So uh, we can look forward to that. Now, we're still going to have car problems because, uh, you know, the congestion issue in cities and the, the nature in which the car sort of dominates the landscape. Those are all kind of big conversations, but I think we can look forward to uh, those car debates no longer being about climate. Um, and when we do that, it'll be because uh, it'll be because of the, of the electric car technology. See, these big nasty car companies that are giant money that everybody's so suspicious of, uh, treat them with suspicion by all means, but encourage them to, to, to spend their R&D millions on things like uh, electric cars and renewable technologies. And it's amazing the results can be achieved. Fantastic. And, and back to the road watch, uh, probably mm. inevitable with GPS and the new traffic information sources. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, although, listen, I can't. It's over to them. Over to them. I had to pass the baton quite happily. Uh, you know, when, when when I left the AA myself yeah. back, uh, uh, back back in April. So, um, yeah, listen. Good luck to them. I mean, there are lots and lots of ways in which the motorist stays connected and in which people on the move stay connected. And uh, I guess that's all 21st century worlds that we're living in, isn't it? I mean, uh, consider the way we use a smartphone now. And you know, mm. even even 10 years ago, that was outlandish to us. Um, and, you know, it, before the start of the pandemic, what percentage of us had actually done video calls at any stage in our lives? And uh, uh, now it's a staple of everybody's daily world. So, yeah, interesting times, interesting times. But it looks like the end for AA Roadwatch. And uh, what can I say? From from my point of view, that has to be a little bit of a pity. So mm. uh, a bit, bit, of, bit of a sad day when I heard the news. Oh, for sure. Now, you're a young fella, as you said. Come oh, on, yeah, there's, a, yeah, yeah. there's another door opening for sure for <laughs> Conor Faulkner. But listen, tell me a bit about Plan International because you've been yeah. a board member since 2013 and you're chairperson since September 2020. That's right, yeah. Well, Plan International Ireland is a fantastic organisation. It's part of a global network, but essentially what we do is we channel money towards girls in the developing world. And we support long-term education projects and some really important stuff on gender-based violence and things like making sure that uh, girls in countries like Sierra Leone are properly registered, so they have birth registry, and that protects them from child marriage, uh, making sure they stay in education. Uh, you know, the, it, it is fantastically rewarding stuff carried out by some some terrific people. I've been out in the field in Ethiopia to see, you know, exactly where our money goes and how well it's spent and that was a really rewarding trip and I'll travel more as soon as COVID permits but uh, uh, Plan Ireland Plan International Ireland, if you have a look at that on Google, you'll get a sense of what the guys there do. I'm very, very proud to be involved with them. So I'm chair of that organisation which stops me being completely idle and uh, I'm I'm sure I'll find other things to do, Jerry, as well. Oh, you certainly will. I, I was having a good uh, gander around the website myself this morning, to be honest with you, and it's terrific. I, I, I yeah. haven't known about it up till now, and it, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. And as well as that, what I love about it is the 95% of all monies raised goes mm. right to those young ladies, you know what I mean, to help yeah, them absolutely. on the ground. Yeah, and auditably and traceably and yes. all, all with the correct governance, which is so, so important. And you can see the impact of what's being done. I mean, it's focus on reservedly is on girls, but, uh, but that will often mean helping communities. So uh, that could be as simple as ensuring proper water and sanitation in a village uh, or, or, or supporting the employment of teachers and uh, making sure girls get to stay in schools when emergencies like COVID happen. For example, there's a, a project running in one of, the, uh, one of the countries where they're putting girls' school lessons on radio so the girls can follow them. Mm. Uh, and in this day and age, you can even look at uh, the way technology can help in uh, the developing world, which, you know, the developing world is a strange phrase in itself. It's been a transformative 30 years across the globe. And a lot of the problems are different. A lot of the problems stay the same. Um, and one of the persistent problems is just inequality of, of opportunity uh, for girls. And, and, and everywhere you look, where, where the rights of girls and women improve, the prosperity of societies improve. Uh, so it's really important work. And uh, yeah, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm uh, very much enjoying it. And uh, for anybody interested, have a look at that website. And by all means, please get involved. Yes, I like it. I really do. Plan International Ireland is the website. Check it out there. Wonderful work indeed. And they have a great chairperson, let me say. <laughs> 
Connor, it's been a pleasure. Lovely to hear that voice again. And we're going to hear it more, I'm sure, in the future. But uh, enjoy the uh, new uh, phase of your life. And thank you so much for joining me on the show today. You're very kind, Jerry. Thanks a million. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's uh, Connor Faulkner there, formerly of uh, AA Ireland. He was Director of Consumer Affairs, leaving them in the spring of the year. And I'm sure lots more to hear from Connor down the road. Late lunch, LMFM radio. Don't go anywhere. I, I have to tell you. I have to tell you about the swimming pool in the back garden. Back in a moment. Louise, you can confirm that there hasn't been a peep, peep uh, from Loud County Council not uh, about Black Rock toilets. No. Not a peep. Not a peep. <laughs> from Loud County Council. Nothing back from Loud County Council about the toilets in Black Rock. There's no toilet paper Nothing in yet. them. They're disgusting. We heard Mary on Monday. Loud County Council, where are you? Please give us an answer. If you're doing nothing, tell us you're doing nothing and you're going to leave them as they are. But if there's news for us, or you might just look at the situation, please do let us know. We've put And Mary, you think we're not trying? This is the third request has gone into them to see have they anything to say on it and there's nothing back from them. Anyway, the swimming pool, Louise, I have to You mean the puddle? Mm. (laughs) Yes, it is a puddle. So I was telling you, I got great help from the listeners. You saw yourself. We couldn't, we we bought this pool in Al. It's a a little thing for the backyard, an inflatable for for the grandchildren. It's a summer waves jumbo pool. Summer waves jumbo pool we got in Al. Anyway, couldn't inflate it. So you know the story and the listeners. You were great. You gave me so many suggestions. Anyway, our Sarah got a pump, an update yesterday in Smith's Toys. And it inflated the pool all last night. Louise, if you saw it, it was just beautiful. So we inflated it and we put a nice cup of water into it. And um, I had a look out after about an hour and I said, that pool's getting limp. So Sarah shot back, pumped it up again and it looked grand. So I went for the Wednesday club and returned home and put the lights on and out in the garden. Oh, mother of God. Are you going to go for a dip? <laughs> there was no water to go for a dip. <laughs> it had collapsed all together. The air is getting out of the pool. And there's only the vents, you know, where you, where you pump it in. There's nothing else. There's no other place. Here. So this morning then it's just lying on the ground. Anyway, that's me tale of woe about the, the little so paddle in the pool. So going back? Well, I... Oh yeah, update, update. I put the box into the green recycle bin <laughs> and just before they came, when I saw this morning, I shot out and took the box back out. So I have the box little bit bent and crumpled and that and flattened but I'll straighten it off. What are they like Aldi to bring things back? Very have you good. ever anything back yes. to them? Have you? Yes. So they'll, Always brilliant. They'll entertain us. Will they if we go back they with it? They should do yeah. I'd be very surprised if they didn't. If we haven't the receipt. If we have the, the, the transaction on a card. I'm sure that'll be. That yeah as long be. as you have the card. Yeah. Oh yeah we have the card and that. But anyway it's we got a dud. We got an absolute dud. <laughs> Wouldn't inflate and then when it inflated it let all the air out. <laughs> well, fair play to you for trying. Oh, you just have absolutely well, everything. This has just consumed us. Anyway, further update, further bulletin, just breaking news. We got a pool in Smith's this morning. Uh, Sarah went up and got... Go and with the pump. And we... <laughs> different fitting, but we got it inflated immediately. She arrived up inflated and it's sitting there. So we're just keeping a watching brief on the new pool. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed and everything else, we're not... Joan is all together and this one is going to deflate. I think this one will be all right, to be honest with you. But we wanted, you know, for coming into the weekend, oh, yeah, and a little, little bit one. of crack with them in it and that. Do you know what I'm saying? Anyway, that's the woe over the paddling pool. So just say, uh, say an Ovina for us, will you, that this one just holes, you know. And <laughs> There'll be water H-O-L-D-S, H-O-L-D-S, holes, not holes, H-O-L-E-S. Anyway, uh, that's the story on the paddling pool. So you'd bring it, would you bring the other one back? Yes. Oh, absolutely. You go back yeah. with the other one? Yeah. Would would have gone back days ago. Anyway, uh, we have a candidate to bring it back. Yes. Uh, what's a snickle, Louise? Tell me what a snickle is. We're a talking snickle about is a food. new trend where yeah. it's a pickle inside a Snickers bar. Oh, so you get a, a pickled onion. Would, would a pickled onion be pickled on, Yeah. And what do you do? Pickled. Shove it into the Snickers. Yeah. And eat it. And take a bite. Mm-hmm. Again, you see it's sweet and savoury, so, isn't yeah. it? That seems to be the thing that works all together. So that's called a snickle. Snickle. A snickle. So any any type of a, a pickle on you or a pickle, any or type of a pickle. I presume it's a pickle, yeah. Put it in. Mm. Meant to be lovely. I'll tell you what I love as well, anchovies. Do you like anchovies? No. They... Why? No. They're little fish. They're little, oh, yeah, little... yeah, no, I didn't think they were fish until... Do you no. remember that? What did you think they were? I thought they were vegetables. <laughs> Louise... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Louise, Louis, sorry, Louise, I'm not laughing at you. I'm <laughs> laughing with you. Uh, Louise thought you did, didn't he? They I thought did. an anchovy was a vegetable. Yeah. I think you were thinking of artichoke. <laughs> no. Are you? <laughs> I'm trying to save you here. You're sinking in front of my very eyes. I'm trying to save you. I'm throwing you a life raft here. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> you did. I remember yeah, I did. this. <laughs> well, let's talk about anchovies, who are little fish, little salty fish. You can buy them in um, olive oil, you know, or you can you get them fresh if you're, I'm sure, where they're, where they're landed and that. Do you, do you, did you ever taste them? Yes. They're real salty. They're very salty. Oh, yeah. I'd say you'd have to have them a few times too. Yeah, I love them. And, and you know what I just do with them? They're lovely, actually. If you just cook pasta, right? Just cook your mm-hmm. favourite pasta and just drain it off. Leave a little bit of water and then put the anchovies in on top of them. Maybe, I'll tell you what you do. You fry the anchovies on a pan with a little bit of onion and garlic and the anchovies melt and then you toss the pasta in that. So garlic, onion, anchovies just the, the anchovies in last and garlic last and it'll melt through the little sauce and then put your pasta in and toss it oh it's lovely Louise so you have sauce in there as well well it's Did a sauce you, so- you know the, the anchovies and, is a sauce yeah okay. so you put olive oil in your pan you soften your onion put in a little bit of garlic last minute anchovies turn them around it's a little bit of a coating you know what I mean mm-hmm. so you toss the pasta in it then and it's very nice it's really very nice. I recommend it. A bit unusual. Maybe not everyone's taste, but I just thought of that as we were speaking about it there. There you go. Anyway, we'll do that recipe book someday <laughs> of weird and, and your pasta. That pasta you cooked last week. We're going to put that in as well. Yeah, it's lovely. Charcoal pasta. Did you ever hear that, folks? Charcoal pasta. <laughs> Our Louise Walsh. Oh. I was preoccupied. I forgot to add the water. She didn't add water to pasta. What are we trying to do here? Will, will we ever learn, as my mother said? And I say, no, you might teach me, Mammy. <laughs> I have to learn. Louise will get there, I promise you, folks. Thank you for all your comments. Jerry. add tomatoes to that anchovy pasta. Uh, tomatoes from your garden, they'd be beautiful. Also, you don't need the receipt, Jerry, for, uh, from Aldi for the pool. Your card will do within 28 days. Thank you for that from another listener. Jerry McNally, lovely to hear from you, Jerry. Pint of Guinness and salt and balsam... Uh, salt and balsamic vinegar peanuts it's gorgeous Jerry what a combination another one saying there you must be a great cook oh Jerry look when I tell you I, I like to dabble at it and I try different things but uh, Tara Walker I picked up a lot from Tara I have to say mention the name Charlie Parker and another one comes to mind immediately yes his creator John Connolly the don of crime fiction whose writing has engaged the minds of millions with his successive and internationally successful books and he's back with a new one it's called the Nameless Ones and John joins me on Late Lunch. Hello, John. Hello, the dawn of crime makes me sound like I'm going to come around to your house and slash the tyres of your car if you don't buy my book. I'm not, yeah, the dawn of crime. Mm. I feel like Blofeld, like I should be stroking a cat. <laughs> John, it's great to have you with us. I mean that sincerely when I say it. Tell us this, your fans will clamour. Where is Charlie? He only has a cameo role here. Yeah, he's just he's just passing through. Um, I wanted to write. I, I had an idea for a book about Angel and Louis, who are these two kind of characters who have become more and more important as as the books have gone on. And and Parker didn't really have a part to play in it, and yet John is back. John, hello again. Hello. Yes. Ah, uh, listen, that that's that's a little smoother for sure. P- pick that up there. You were talking about Louis and Angel. Yeah, I, you know, I, I had wanted... I, I love those globe-trotting thrillers where guys are hopping on off aeroplanes and going to different countries. And it seems such an odd thing to be writing when nobody could go anywhere. You know, there was a lot of talk about should writers be including the, the COVID into their books and all of these restrictions. And it seemed like a bit of a dead end. And I thought, actually, I'm not I'm going to ignore it entirely. So people hop on and off aeroplanes without a care in the world. And, and I think that's quite nice in a way. Oh, I think one of the things the last year taught us is perhaps the value of escapism mm. you know something that takes us out of our lives that makes us forget the awful things that are going on around us and 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 just allows us to to move to a completely different world and i hope that that's what the book does oh it does it by the spadeful uh, louis an old acquaintance is murdered in amsterdam along with others and himself and angel arrive in europe to track down these two brothers and the the gang who committed the murders you're going back uh, to the balkan conflict and and serbia did you visit there to prompt this or, or how did that come about I had, I had always been curious about it um you know mystery fiction is often if you read a mystery novel the crime, the murder is often caused by something that happened very far in the past. Mystery fiction is very interested in the, the sins of the fathers being visited on the sons in a way. And, and that just seemed to me to be a larger 
manifestation of that because you know what happened and, and I, some of some of your listeners will be old enough to remember this uh you know that essentially Tito who had been the dictator in, in Yugoslavia died in 1980 and all of these fractures because Tito had held Yugoslavia together literally with an iron fist you know he didn't care if people weren't getting on with each other if anybody had a problem they were to come to him and he would sort it out but they weren't to be sorting out problems with each other and when he died, all of these fractures appeared, and a lot of them went back to the Second World War and the First World War. And, and we suddenly had Europe thrust into a, the kind of conflict that I think a lot of us thought we would never see again. Yes. It was really disturbing. You know, those images of, of people in camps and, and you know, the, these the ethnic slaughter. These seem to be things that happen far, should happen far away from us, not be happening on Europe's doorstep. And so it had always stuck in my mind. And, and when the, the idea for the book came along, I thought, yeah, I, I'll, I, I'm, I'm interested in this. And so I did go to Serbia. Serbia is a very odd place. Um, it's not a place that, that really many Western tourists go. It's very much aimed at Eastern Europeans, I think. And almost nobody talks about the war. Mm. You know, it's one of the things I do when I go to a place, you know, you go to museums, and you walk around and you try and get a sense of the place. If you go to the military museum in Belgrade, which is the only real big museum in the center of the city, everything stops at 1980 and picks up again in 2005. It's like 25 years are just erased from history. Yes. You know, they're not yes. there. Nobody talks about it. Um, and yet, you know, people were very helpful and very kind. And when you get out into the countryside, there are these extraordinary fortresses, I mean, these unbelievable fortresses. And, and it reminded me that, that Serbia had been an empire. This was a great imperial power for a long time. And the relics of it are, are still there. And so all of those things fed into the book. And, and John, would it be fair to say that when you think of Radovan and Spiridon uh, Vuksan, the uh, two brothers that I mentioned there a little bit earlier on, you know, they are absolutely not the type of people you'd be going for dinner with, uh, to say the least. And uh, what they did uh, in the past, it, they are absolute villains. And yet, would they be heroes to some still? You know what I'm saying? That there's people like them still in Serbia going about their business. Oh, absolutely! Look how long it, take, it took uh, the, the you know the the courts to hold up uh, Radovan Karadzic yes. and Rako Mladic and, and bring them to justice. Everybody knew where they were. You know, everybody knew where they were hiding. When I was the guy who was driving me around, said something very interesting. When he, when he was because eventually people will once they kind of get used to you, they will talk about the past a little bit. And what he said was, you know, his his take on it was that a lot of bad things happened. That we were responsible for most of them. But he emphasized most, you know, the Serbians are responsible. But they, there's a lingering sense of injustice there. They feel that actually they were hard done by in a way. And they were painted entirely as the villains of the piece. And that shouldn't have been the case. So there is a bitterness there. So, yes, absolutely. There are people who felt that this conflict, this attempt to to turn Serbia into a, into a great imperial power again was entirely justified and and that they felt under threat from minorities from uh, Croatia from from other nations that have been held together in Yugoslavia and that they were entitled not just to defend themselves but to kind of preemptively attack and it's a very you know like I said it is not a place when you go there mm. if you go wandering in the park you can buy Serbian football shirts with Vladimir Putin's name on it, the, the back of it now, you know, it's interesting. Serbia is going to join the EU in a few years yes. and they've made all their applications. Yet it's clear that there are allegiances there that are not necessarily to the liberal Western ideal, that there are people there who, who maybe look to the East. And it is going to be very interesting when they, when they enter the European Union to see what happens. Mm. Because the other thing about Serbia is that it is regarded as what's called a captured economy. It's corrupt from the top down. Yeah. And every Serbian on the street will tell you that, that, you know, their politicians are, are, are problematical. And when they enter the European Union, we will we'll have to deal with some of these things. We will have to take these things into account. And what we hope, I suppose, is that by, by them entering the European Union, we can ensure that what happened in the 1980s won't happen again, mm. that we will be able to, to help negotiate. And this system maybe may change. But we're in for interesting times. Yeah, I wish them luck when you see what's happening in Hungary at the moment and in Poland indeed. But anyway, that's a circle that has to be squared and good luck to them with that because, as you say, that wound is still there. And I often feel there's a chip on the shoulder but that's for other people and, and down the road. Come back to the book itself, the supernatural uh, Serbian folklore. You work that in through it as well. 
Well, that's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, there, there, there's a, a, an ethnic group called the Vlaches, and they are they kind of came from Romania originally. And they're really the last bastion of witchcraft in Eastern Europe. It's a really fascinating tradition. They have a very odd combination of Christianity and ancestor worship. They build these hugely ornate tombs and they put sofas in them and televisions because they take the view that people are going to be hanging around for about seven years after they die, so they may as well be comfortable. And once they move on, you know, you'll be in there as well and you might be glad of a sofa and a television for, for seven years in a tomb. Um, so it's really kind of kind of interesting. Uh, the problem, and I want to, the, so people from Belgrade, for example, will go east to talk to the Vlach witches. If you've got a problem with work or with love or whatever it might be, you can go to them and they will try to sort it out for you. And I thought it would be very interesting, obviously, to go and talk to Vlach witches. The problem there with witches is that it's very hard to spot them. You know, in the good old days, they'd have worn a big black hat and they'd have been carrying a broom or maybe had a wart. And you could have said, aha, there's a witch. And you could go up and ask them. And I think I thought that when I was driving out to these places that it would look like, you know, the start of Dracula, Prince of Darkness or something. There'd be a village with a bell and darkness and an inn. And somebody would tell me, you know, be careful after dark. And instead, you arrive and they were perfectly nice, respectable towns. It was very hard to find witches, and, and I had to go ask quite a number of people before a lovely lady who ran a museum said, actually, her carpenter, the guy who put in her kitchen, of all things, said, he, he's black, he'll talk to you. And so it was very odd. I ended up in this almost deserted village as the sun was going down. It's quite cold with the, the interpreter, the woman from the museum and this lovely Blatch individual. And he was explaining to me a lot of the stuff I wanted to know. And one of the ideas I had at one point was that it was going to involve mines. It was, it was going to have a climax in a mine. And he said to me, he said, you know, he said, we don't have mines around here. He said, you have to go a little bit further south to bore for that. He said, but they have problems there. He said, they dug too deep and now they have problems with demons. And I looked at him and I looked at the driver and I looked at the woman from the museum and nobody was smiling. And I said to him, well, do you have problems with demons? And he said, no, we have problems with vampires. And so I looked at the driver and we looked at the sun going down and we thought, right, we'll be back to Belgrade. Then. That's, thanks for your help. <laughs> we'll see you. We're on our way. You know, these, these beliefs are very deep-seated there. And, it's, you know, we laugh about them here in my, in my nice little office in Dublin. When you're in a village in the Carpathians that was built for like, you know, it has 600 houses and only two or 300 people living in it, and the sun is going down and somebody in a very, very solemn place is telling you that he's concerned about vampires. You think on the basis of probability, we get in our car and we'll start driving back to where the bright lights are. Yes. Yeah, I'll look at I I know now, and it's quite obvious why I said you are the Don in the best possible sense with the work you put in, the footwork on the ground, the research. I was just looking at some of the reviews and one of them caught my attention. Vital, vivid and alive after so many books. He's done it again with the nameless ones. John Connolly, a pleasure. Keep no, doing what you you're doing. Much. Thank Continue you. success to you too. Thank you. Thank you, John. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. He's simply brilliant. Do you want the book? I have one to give away. Mine, you can have it. Here's the question. We were talking about Serbia. Uh, we also mentioned Croatia there. What was the name of the country that held it all together before the bus stop happened? What was the name of that country? Let me know if you want the book. 086-1800-658 with your name and details and the answer by WhatsApp or text. Back in a moment. Oh, Louise, I've just got a message from Sarah, my daughter. Does she know you've been talking about her all week? <laughs> she's obviously listening this <laughs> afternoon because she's giving me a dart here. She says, you, Dad, taking the praise for the effort with this pool, you can tell your listeners it was me <laughs> who persevered. <laughs> Go on, Sarah. I'm happy to clarify that. It was our Sarah. She's a real technical brain honestly anything that's to be assembled or done or pumped up or things she wouldn't let go of this she kept at it all the way till she got the dud pumped until it sank down into nothing and she got the new one and it's ready to go now at this stage but I have another message there where is it hold on hold on I'm after throwing it away I think and I have it here beside me yeah here it is um, it comes into me today from Joan Joan lovely to hear from you Jerry. I think those little swimming pools are a waste of money I saw my son last year blowing one up wouldn't go up. So we got a compressor. It blew so far, then big bang. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shower. Sorry, Joan. It blew-
blew up an explosion with the compressor. I understand, and, and it's not funny. And, and I'm sure everyone was distraught. He has another one this year. It goes up for a few hours and then starts to collapse. They must be making them like this now, to be honest with you, Joan. Has to be pumped up every time. Uh, he's using an industrial vacuum cleaner <laughs> to pump it up. So those little pools, they're testing, they're testing the technology and the, the brain. the patience. And the, and the <laughs> patience and everything else that goes with it of the Northeast. But well done, Sarah. Great job. Great, great job, I have to say. Yes, Yugoslavia was the answer I was looking for this afternoon. And thank you all for sending in the answers and your details. One winner of John Connolly's brilliant new book. It's called The Nameless Ones. And it's Anne Macarlene in Dundalk this afternoon. Well done to you, Anne. That book will be on its way to you shortly. And thanks to everybody who uh, sent in the answer. Don't forget, we'll have your riddle on Friday for you tomorrow with a nice little prize as well. Working on that one as we speak. Now, let me uh, tell you about my Artists of the Week. And it's Westlife, of course. And when a group or anybody releases their greatest hits album... Well, you start to suspect perhaps it's coming to the end of the road. They did that in November 2011. A tour followed, which sold out within minutes of tickets being released. And sure thing, that official announcement was then made that confirmed they would split at the end of the tour. Just think about what they achieved. 14 years together, 26 top 10 hits they had, including... 14 number one singles, 11 top five albums, seven of them making top spot in the charts, 10 sellout tours and record sales in excess at that time of 44 million worldwide. Some achievement for the boys from Sligo with a couple of dubs thrown in for good measure. Fans were absolutely devastated. I remember it at the time. Oh, people were just saying it was the end of the world as they signed off with two nights in Croke Park they were the final two gigs, June 22nd and 23rd, 2012. Uh, and that final concert was screened in over 600 cinemas across the world. Just shows you how popular they were. There was speculation that the parting of waves would be temporary, but the lads insisted themselves that Westlife were done for good. But were they? Only time would tell, and I'll tell you more about that tomorrow. Today... Let's have a listen to another side of Westlife with this classic oldie first released by Dean Martin in 1960 from the album Allow Us To Be Frank, Westlife. How lucky can one guy be? Time for more Burke's banter. Yes, our Sinead is always on the money and today she advises, she cautions that you should make sure you're sober and correct when you click and go online. There are a lot of things you shouldn't attempt while drunk. Driving is the big important one, of course, but there are others. Applying for tax back through revenue online should be left to the next day. Attending a job interview would have its dangers. In vito veritas is rarely the best approach when trying to make a good impression. Unless, of course, it's a position in the arts, then I think that sort of thing is encouraged. Booking a holiday is up there too. Oh, but it's all too easy. A cold and miserable Friday night in January. A glass or two goes down and suddenly the laptop comes out. A moment charged with decisiveness. Look it, I'm sick talking about it. I'm just going to book it. You announce in a dramatic and grand tone to the rest of the family. And with a level of ambition, as high as your blood alcohol count... Rash and unrealistic decisions are made. Why would we fly out at 11 when we can go at 5 in the morning? That'll give us a full run of the day. And aren't we saving €100? Euro? Welcome packs, €45 euro to have sachets of milk and lemon hand wipes waiting for us in our apartment. Well, we are on holiday. Book extra activities for your trip now. Abseiling in 40 degree heat. We find it hard to go for a walk down the lane, but sure, why not? Press proceed to payment and then sit back delighted with yourself while watching the last bit of the late late. Months later, while you wait freezing and bleary eyed for the 4am shuttle bus in the green long stay car park, you realise once again you've overshot the runway of realistic holiday expectations. In the departures lounge, there are other parents who have made the same mistake as you. Heads bent low, 
more disappointed with themselves than anything else, as they try to coax a sleepy and grumpy child into drinking a 15 euro glass of orange juice, reluctantly making peace with the fact that everyone is due to be swinging down a cliff in eight hours time. The coronavirus may have protected us against ridiculously early flights, but it could never fully defend us from ourselves. Our international wings may have been grounded, but delusions of how much we were physically capable of and how much we all liked each other still soared high. This is why the Burke family recently ended up staying in a family room for seven nights. That's all four of us, in one room, for a week. With activities booked for all seven days, it was like leading the longest school tour ever. Ah, and you know it was great. Like all previous breaks away, I seemed to spend most of it walking ten steps behind the rest of the family, carrying things. Myself and Mr Burke needed another holiday when we came home, but by and large, our first Irish-based getaway was brilliant. My tour of duty on the staycation front line allowed me to gather some useful intelligence which I pass on now in the hope it may be of some use to other families planning to embark on a similar mission. Firstly, it is pricey. You need to get over this in your head before you even load up the car. If you spend the week comparing the price of food and drink to what you have previously paid in Spanish supermarkets, then you are going to have a bitter and miserable time. There are no supermercados in Tremor and you can no longer share a two-litre of cadet orange among the kids in an Irish pub. It's Ireland, things are dear, but look on the bright side, you don't have to worry about weighing the suitcases, which is a relief as you will have to bring both winter and summer wardrobes with you. Secondly, we didn't see anyone dressed up. Yes, everyone you meet is pure thrilled with themselves that they've managed to get away at all. But that golden rule of getting dolled up of an evening to go out to eat seems to have been dispensed with. This makes sense. As we've discussed previously in this column, post-pandemic fashion doesn't really exist. As it stands, at 7pm, put on a cleaner pair of runners with your raincoat and you're good to go. You need to book meals in advance. Gone are the days when you were able to ramble around your holiday hotspot, looking at the menus outside and leisurely declaring, I like the look of this place, shall we give it a go? That simpler and less COVID-y time is over. If your name's not down, you're not getting in. Lastly, a word about washing machines at service stations. If you are away with children, who cannot walk the length of a hotel corridor without mysteriously getting filthy, these are magical places. Halfway through the week, drop children and spouse somewhere and proceed to your nearest facility with a couple of bags of laundry. You will get a full load washed and dried in the same time it takes to drink a coffee and read a paper. It's more relaxing than any spa treatment and you look back on this interval as the quietest and calmest part of the trip. Get away if you can. We all deserve a break and it's nice to have a run of the place before the Yanks come back next year. Just remember your change for the washing machine because it beats abseiling any time. Yes, our Sinead Burke with her banter. Thank you so much, Sinead. Always on the money, as I say. Fantastic observer of life. And we'll hear more from Sinead Anon. Now, we began the day talking about St. Swithin's Day today and the uh, the lore about the day. And, Louise, I think you touched on it early on in the show. I, I, I think I heard you mention it. That, you know, the, the, the um, 40 days dry, if it's dry today... 40 days wet if it actually rained today. And I think you mentioned, but here were the two most extreme ones that flew in the face of that over the years. These are in the Guinness Book of Records. You know this? This is in the Guinness Book of Records. 1924, Mm. right? Uh, I think you said this. 13 and a half hours of sunshine in London were followed by 30 of the next 40 days wet. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that really uh, poo-pooed it. And on the other hand, Earlier, in 1913, there was a 15-hour rainstorm, non-stop. It was horrendous in London. And after that, 
30 dry days followed. <laughs> so, you know... But it's I, all in London. Uh, yeah, well, that's where the measurements, I think, were taken at the time. Is that and, where he's buried? Um, no, it's in some cathedral, isn't it? It's in yeah. a cathedral. Wait, 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 wait. I might be able to tell you here. I'll tell you where, he, where he's laid his body at the minute. Hold a on big a cloud over the cathedral. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was Bishop of Winchester, right? Uh, from October 8th. 852 that's a long time ago until he died in 863 you know his death he was bishop for that length of time he didn't just live that time but anyway um i think he's at winchester i think that's where he's laid to rest in in uh, around that play, that area there where he actually was the, was the bishop you know anyway if, if we're wrong on that we'll check and it we will have to count from today okay let's do that yes good idea so let's see from today how many dry days we get after a dry since Sweden's Day. That's really good. We will do that. Anyway, tomorrow on Late Lunch, Sarah Carey is with us. Wonderful Sarah Carey. She's not happy camper. She's not a happy camper at all. The new regulations and children. Sarah with us on the show. Alma Jordan was staying on the Little East theme from Agri-Kids ahead of Farm Safety Week. She's with us. Leon Blanche runs the rule over sport and there's lots of it. And of course, we'll have your riddle on Friday. More about Westlife and lots more besides. Have a lovely evening this evening, everybody. Enjoy the beautiful weather. Eddie Caffrey's raring to go with the drive. Thanks, Eddie, for the Cornettos. We love them. And uh, we're going to leave you today in the company of George Ezra. Blame it on me. See you tomorrow. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the Northeast with same-day business finance. So let our van specialist, Danny, find a commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. See blackstonemotors.ie. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.